Football debates, hot takes, and analysis our way. With compas and a carne asada, this is Football Asada. Welcome home. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back. Episode 24 of Football Asada. We have a very, very special guest with us today. We got Liga MX, Gold Cup, and MLS Cup, Open Cup. I'm gonna, I am can keep listing what Herc has won. The Golden Boot. Uh, golden Boot. The Golden Liga Boot MX. for Liga MX. Also, USMNT. That's so beast, bro. Oh, yeah. Slight flex. Slight flex off the bat. We got a <laughs> USMNT World Cup player as well. Hercules Gomez. How are you, Herc? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, we got the crew back on time. Chris recovering from his back injury. So glad you're here, Chris. And we got Diego and German. Yes, sir. As always, let's do a quick jersey check. Yeah, no, Diego's pay, paying, paying homage. Diego's paying homage to our guest today with the new Galaxy. And I see it in the back for a Herc as well. Yeah, yeah. We got the Galaxy jersey right here. The good people at LA. Uh, yeah, they did a good job. Good job. Great, great. I love the flag stuff. And then German got the... Uh, on a seer, right? Yes, sir. Ronaldo on a seer third jersey because Galaxy didn't want to send me a jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Chris with the exclusive group stage exit. <laughs> the group stage exit jersey. And I'm paying a little bit of homage to my Central American roots. I got El Mas Grande de Honduras, Olympia. That looks like an Atlas jersey. I'm not going to lie. I was going to say that they say it's the Atlas of Central America. <laughs> they play Atlas today. Tigres also plays today, no? I guess Orlando, yeah. Hey, just so y'all know. Early final prediction, Tigres, LAFC again. Oh, that's going to be a good game. For CCL final? Yeah, for the CCL final. Wow. I think Tigres are going to beat Pachuca in the semis. Uh, that's not a bad shout. I don't know. It's kind of tough because LAFC kind of run the right side of the bracket. They do. I mean, there's Union, but I got LAFC winning. Yeah, so that's a, that's a difficult one because I picked Philly to win uh, MLS Cup, but against LAFC. So it, it's a good matchup. And I could see that. But so I could see that going anyway. And I could see Pachuca Tigres going anyway as well. Um, just because I'm not convinced in Coneste Tigres with Chima Ruiz. So La Limo Chima is, is on, it's, uh, it's on E right now. So we'll see. True. I mean, Tata Martino might take over Tigres. We'll see, though. If he does, say goodbye to Linus. <laughs> He's done, bro. <laughs> Talking about. Like, you know, Tigres and all this stuff. I want to hop into Herc's personal experiences as a pro player first. Um, and kind of like what we're centering this episode around. Um, it's going to be a lot of the dual nat stuff. I know, Herc, you're a champion for that type of stuff. Uh, he's the OG. Yeah, yeah, he's the OG. Yeah, he's man. He's the OG. That's what so, I'm, I'm one of them. That, yeah, there are a few before me, but uh, I, I'm definitely one that, and it's a good way of saying it, champion. I'm, I'm, I keep the voice going, so I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I saw your rant on uh, on the stuff with Sendejas. I know you were going, you know, telling everyone to lay off the kid. He's he's a young guy, and uh, he's he's talented, man. I, I I hope he does good wherever he's at. All I said was, let's wait for the player to say it because Tudene and Tudene does great stuff. But to the end, historically, Televisa has been Los Boceros, the mouthpiece for the federation. Everybody knows who runs Mexican football, who runs the federation. Uh, it's, it's Televisa. It's, you know, it's that. So what I said was, let's wait for him to say it. Because the last time, and I respect Gibran Arauje very much, a very talented reporter. But last time he made a statement regarding a dual national was with Sendejas and that Sendejas... And all dual nationals going forward with the U.S. and Mexico would have to sign a letter of intent. I don't even know where you would begin legally to obligate players to do that. I reached out to U.S. soccer and they were like, I don't know. We don't, we don't know what's, what they're talking about. We would never do that. And since then, radio silence. So Sendejas can pick the U.S. He can pick Mexico. He can pick China for all I care. I want to see Chicanos do well. I want to see players that are Mexican-American that know what it's like to be bicultural who have the duality and the privilege of, of, of two different cultures and, and know that experience and know what it's like neither aquí neither allá like you're yeah. you guys are probably all young but have you guys seen the la película selena have you guys seen that movie selena movie? yeah yeah of oh course. of course that's that's a classic i love that movie <laughs> there's a scene there's a scene there where the where the father you know is explaining to selena how he has she has to be uh, like we have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans. Oh, and he says it's exhausting. Ni de aquí ni de allá. So I'm I'm a big 
I'm a big believer uh, in the privilege that we have as Chicanos, as Mexican-Americans. Um, you guys are fiel Mexican fans. Um, I'm sure you guys know people in your families, probably, that cheer for the U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah, my brother. You know? yeah, I, I run into it all the time. <laughs> I, I, actually, I had, a, I had a question off of that, Herc. I had a question for you. Was it ever a doubt, like, between USA and Mexico? Because I know some of us, at least for me, like, from my personal experience, if I had to choose, it's like if there was. There's literally no doubt in my mind that I would pick Mexico every time. But is it? Is it like that for? I mean, I obviously it's not like that for everybody. But like, how was it for you? Like, was there ever any doubt, or you always knew you wanted to play for the U.S.? Of course, there's there's a doubt because I'll put it this way: these kids are put in impossible situations because they're fifteen, sixteen, being forced to kind of select an identity you know like who are you like chris where were you born uh, i was born in santa cruz california santa cruz got a beautiful place by the way santa cruz california yeah, yeah and you grew up watching mexican football you grew up watching the mexican national team correct but you were born in the states you don't feel any less mexican right just because you were born in the states yep 100 a lot of kids don't feel any less mexican because they were born here or don't feel any less american because they choose to play for mexico like if you represented Mexico, you're not going to all of a sudden forget about everything that's made you American or, or your families and the opportunities that you've been afforded. There's a certain sense of pride. And this is why, and it's a whole nother discussion, but the Mexican nationals and Mexican Federation know this. This is why the majority of games are played in the U.S. They, they, they sell that nostalgia, the nostalgia, the nostalgic like sense, like, your home roots, your pride, we're selling to you and we're selling it in dollars. And that's why they keep coming back. So going back to me, I actually had a chance um, to play for, for Mexico. It was at the U23 level, uh, the Pan American Games, when Hugo Sanchez was in charge. And I, the assistant coach was Olaf Heredia, who was one of my coaches when I played in Mexico in the youth levels. And, you know, I was born in LA, grew up in Vegas, went to school here my whole life. Uh, up until that moment, I'd only lived in Mexico for about a year. I was playing when I was 18 in Las Inferiores, you know, bounced around on a few teams uh, and then came back. And I was already playing first team football here with the Galaxy. And it was a good year, 2005. I was like 21 years old. Um, I played half a season and I won the MLS Cup, MLS Open Cup, and I scored a bunch of goals. I was the team MVP as a developmental player. So I was getting some attention. And here we're talking Sup 23, and then on the other hand, we're talking full national team in a World Cup year. It never crossed my mind, like, voy con Mexico. Like, it was an easy decision for me. Um, but I wouldn't persecute anybody for choosing to go to Mexico. You know what I mean? And sometimes, like, when everything is equal, cuando tienes un amor y un respeto, like, that is all equal for a country or two countries, it becomes a business decision. And this is what it's coming, this is what it's becoming to these players. And people don't like to hear this, but Alejandro Sendejas is going to make a decision on where he plays, not who he is. Remember that. He's going to make a decision on where he plays, where he kicks a soccer ball, not what he identifies as a person. Because quite frankly, that's an impossible situation to win. And it's an unfair situation. And some of these kids have to make it as a teenager. So no matter, and I've had this discussion with Alejandro, and I've had it with David Ochoa, I had it with Julian Araujo, to an extent with Efrain, uh, you know, uh, Alvarez. The list goes on and on uh, of kids that I've had this discussion with. No matter who you choose, where you go, you're going to offend somebody. You're going to get somebody angry. Somebody's going to question you. Nobody will ever understand unless they're in your situation. That's the reality of things. So, so now these are business decisions. These are, and, and, and that sounds cold and it sounds frank, um, but it's decision based on sport, not on identity. And people need to realize that. I think uh, definitely I, I was watching, um, you know, this week leading up to, to this show, watch, I was rewatching Good Rivals on Amazon Prime. Uh, for as you know, that's a, a kind of a small documentary. Herc actually comes out on that one um, with Landon Donovan, Rafa Marquez. It's a documentary talking about the rivalry. I think it's it's crazy. Like you just just getting into this conversation, it's definitely a rivalry that is unmatched in terms of just the cultural context and the the, the complexity of like what it's like to be Mexican American. Because like I can imagine for you, Herc, how do you you know 
go travel to South Africa, sing the, you know, wear, don the U.S. men's national team jersey, sing the U.S. men's national team, uh, the U.S. anthem with pride, you know, you know, like really st- uh, uh, represent your country, come back home and you're eating chilaquiles in the morning or something like it's it's a crazy it's crazy. But that's what it's like to be American. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is like on on social media, it doesn't matter what platform. I run into kids all the time like you guys, and they have dual flags. They have more than one flag on their handle, on their bio. An American flag, a Mexican flag, a Cuban flag, an American flag, a a Brazilian flag, an American flag, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the world we live in. We're a globalized community. Everybody in this world, I mean, look at the amount of national teams that have dual citizens or, or naturalized citizens on their national team in the sport. France, majority of those players, their parents are from other countries. You know, Germany as well, it's coming that way. Um, England, same thing. The U.S., ni hablar. That's the way the world is going, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. For me, it was a great sense of pride, you know, because I, I one of the coolest things for me is I get – I'm a firm believer in representation. It matters. Like we need to see people that look like us, that talk like us, that have the same ideals, values, and upbringing like us in powers, in, in positions of power. Um, whether it's management, coaching, you know, ownership, et cetera, et cetera, that's when you will affect change. People don't realize sometimes these things. And, and for me, it was a great sense of pride uh, of representing the U.S. because I was a Mexican-American representing the U.S., and that's one of the coolest things I get is when I get kids like you, your age comes up to me, come up to me like, man, I love what you did for us. Even though I just played a game, you know, now, now what I do now, I think affects in a greater uh, course or change because listen, I follow a bunch of you guys on different platforms and you guys go viral quick for yeah. like a 10 second clip. So what you say carries weight, <laughs> it has power. It, you know, it goes, it, there's a wide net being cast. So you guys in some way, are in this communications uh, business like I am. Um, and, and I feel I have a responsibility. I I'm not trying to say you have a responsibility, but it carries weight and you represent something. So for me, I represented something. For me, that was, that was great. And you're right. As soon as we're at that World Cup, I was at Cabo San Lucas. I was vacationing. I was having some mariscos <laughs> on the beach. I was, you know, I yeah, Chile, you, you know, at La oh, I was doing all that because that's, that's where I come from. That's, that's, that's my that's my heritage as well, but it doesn't mean that's everything I am. You know, I'm more than just a label. Oh, that's, damn, that's uh, almost. I gotta. My eyes are getting watered. That's beautiful, beautiful said. But that's my mom. Oh yeah, social media. You mentioned it and how the platform has changed, and we're reaching this specific moment in time. Um, it's so easy for the Alejandro Sendejas of the world, the Jonathan Gomez's of the world, the Richie Ledesma's and Alex Mendez's to hop on Twitter, to hop on Instagram, to look at their comment section and look at their, um, you know, the Twitter threads and see all this disgusting shit on, on there. Like all these Toxic, really nasty bro. stuff, you know, the, the timeline of your career, I think you <laughs> managed to narrowly escape that um, era of, of football. No, no. I listen, I was, I was one of the first footballers, um, I would say, my era that was on social media. I remember being in Mexico, 2010, I got there. Um, muy ignorante. And what I mean by that is, I don't know if you guys were the, same, were the same way growing up, but what I had known of Mexico was like vacations in Baja, like barely. My dad would take, take us to Mexicali, like barely, or TJ, or lo que sea, or maybe like a random trip here or there for an MLS preseason, but it wasn't like I had, you know, uh, I was in this culture. It came, I, I always considered myself Mexican, mm-hmm. right? And then you go and you live in Mexico and you're like, damn, it's different. This is a culture shock. There's so much, yeah, there's so much that, that was so foreign to me and, and the ignorance that comes with it, the, the fear that comes with it. But the first week I was in Mexico with Puebla, it was like the second day I'm taking a taxi um, from the hotel to the stadium to go train. Um, and the taxista has the radio on. And breaking news, uh, Salvador Cabañas has been shot in the head oh, yeah. at El Barbaro. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, what the <laughs> fuck? 
the most famous footballer in all of Liga Americas and all of Mexico was shot in the head. Like, wh- where am I? What's going on? And the ignorance that comes with it. And then later you you come to realize like isolated incidents and whatnot. And Mexico is such a beautiful country. The people are so beautiful, welcoming. But then there's another side, like in any landscape, that's social media and how toxic that that can be. I remember missing a penalty kick one time, the only one I missed in my life. Um, I come on at halftime. We're down, we're down 2-0 at half. I come on at half. Um, Mark, Mark Rosas and I come on. And like five, seven minutes in, he gets like a boom, little long ball. Uh, keeper comes out and I head it. Nice header, goes in two to one. Game keeps going, da-da-da-da-da. Final minutes of the game, handball in the box, penal. Nobody steps up. Oribe Peralta, I ask him, you want to take it? Doesn't want to take it. Darwin Quintero doesn't want to take it. You know, everybody who was on the field that you thought would have taken it, Carlos Adrián Morales, didn't want to take it. I'll take it. Just scored a goal. Not the first penalty kick I've ever shot in my life. Dying minutes. Uh, Chivas fans go up to the raft. There's, there's a bit of, you know, by the time I take it, it's like three minutes later. I'm now in my head thinking I should change it. Mark Rosas comes up to me. He goes, you want to take it? I'll take it if not. And, and I said, sure, I'm, I'm going to take it. Boom. Put it down. I change where I'm going. I miss. Uh, oh. oh <laughs> we lose the game two to one. No. But I'm like, whatever. You know, it, it happens. It, th- those who miss are the ones who have the stones to take it. That was always my mentality. The only one I missed in my career. So, you know, I was, I was with that mentality. After the game, the coach, Benjamin Galindo, uh, tells the press that he doesn't know why I took it. I wasn't a designated taker, and he kind of throws me under the bus. I received death threats online, like on social media, on Twitter. People sending me pictures of, of guns in their hand, saying they know where my parents live, naming my parents. Oh, no. Saying, shit. Manuel and Juanita, que se cuiden. I received all kinds of abuse. I mean, xenophobic, racial, everything you can think of for a missed penalty kick. Damn, I went. That's that was what happened. Long story short, I went into the office, uh, the coach's office, on Monday, and I told him how I thought it was bullshit that he would call me out this way when nobody wanted to take the penalty kick. The only one who said he would take it was Mark. I took it. I missed, and nothing happened. Um, it ended up being a good situation. We we hashed it out there. I ended up uh, being a starter the next game and started a, a very nice goal scoring streak uh, for Santos and we went on to to play two finals so it was, it was a good situation in the end but goes to show you how toxic social media can be and it's not the first time this happens all the time if Major League Soccer or the U.S. Men's National Team play against Liga Mekis or Mexico I get without even being involved or sending a tweet or a, a Facebook message or whatever I will get shit thrown my way by both sides yeah. you know it doesn't matter what side. So it goes to show you, like, I guess the polemic figure I can be without even doing anything these days, but just how easy it is for people when they think it's anonymous to sling some shit. Um, we just saw it happen, too, during the U-20 qualifiers when Anthony Leon uh, missed a penalty. Yeah. He got yeah, attacked on Instagram endlessly, and I heard, I mean, it may be true, it may be not, or that he wants to play for the USA now over Mexico. I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. Blame the attack him. was crazy. It was unwarranted. They singled it him was. out. It was crazy, probably because he was a dual yeah. national. But that brings me to my question, because you were a dual national playing in Mexico. You already played for the USMNT when you went to Puebla. Were you attacked for playing for the U.S. by away fans, local fans? No, never. Never? No, no, not at all. No, I had a great time in Mexico. Um, I was never attacked for being part of the U.S. men's national team. Okay. I was always El Gringo. I was always yeah, El Gringo. Always. And, and you guys go down there, you will be El Gringo too. Yeah. yeah. Been there, yeah. When, you prove yourself, when you prove yourself, you're their Gringo. You know what I mean? And I always thought that was that was very cool of how the Mexican culture, you guys know you guys know how we are, the Mexican no, yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's un orgullo. It's like the orgullo mexicano is such a beautiful thing, but pride isn't a great thing. Pride can be beautiful, but pride isn't great. Remember that pride is a crutch, and, and sometimes we can go overboard as, as humans with, with pride. But when I was in the state or playing in the states and, and living in Mexico, I never felt like I never felt like I was in danger because of where I played football. I definitely felt different, 
but because they identified you differently, but they, I always felt like I was part of their, their ecosystem. And this happens to anybody. It doesn't matter what nationality they are in. Every time I would go to a new team, they don't pass you the ball. You know, they, they, they make it difficult on you. You have to prove yourself. Why? Because you're taking somebody's position or trying to take their position. You're trying to take food off their table. Um, it's a cutthroat business. It's not like, Hey, let's go have some beers after this. No, no, no. You're there to work and you're there to steal somebody's position, take somebody's livelihood. So when they see this and they have groups of friends, they make it difficult. It's not until you prove yourself and there's no other way but to be accepted that things go in, go easier. But this isn't a nationality thing. This is a first division, you're at the top, everybody fights for themselves thing. All right, then. So when you went to Puebla, you know, you said you had to earn your place. How was it? You became the top goal scorer in the Liga MX in your first season. You won a spa, you earned your spot to make it to the USMNT roster. Then you went to South Africa. How was it? How was the World Cup? Every time I hear a pro talking about going to the World Cup, it's like the biggest orgullo they have. So how was it for you? It was a life-changing moment um, because months before I went to Puebla, I was out of a job. You know, Kansas City, um, I was negotiating with Kansas City and we had something on the table and then they just said, fuck it. Uh, here's the deal. You're going to make the same amount of money and it's about 80% of what we negotiated. Take it or leave it. And I was coming off a knee injury and I had a difficult year and I just said, I'm not taking it. I went back home. I was on my par- I was at my parents' house. I was at a 24-hour fitness working by myself, uh, working out by myself. Um, and this opportunity came about. When this opportunity comes about, the first thing Chelis says to me when I come into the locker room was like, uh, welcome to Puebla. It wasn't in the locker room. It was the- yeah, the first thing Chelis says to me when he sees me is like, welcome to Puebla. I didn't bring you to play. I brought you so you can work hard, pisale los talones, you know, to the ones who are in front of you, like make them feel uncomfortable. And every once in a while, I'll throw you a bone and we'll see you get you on the field. It wasn't that way. Yeah, it was no money. Uh, sooner rather than later, I started getting on the field and I started scoring goals. But I was always scoring goals off the bench. I started five games that year and won a goal scoring title. That's crazy. You know, and I, 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 played, I played 700 and something minutes. It's probably, you guys would have to do the math, but it's probably one of the best, like, goals per minute ratios in the history of, of Mexican football. I won a goal scoring title with Javier Hernandez. You know, the only difference is Javier Hernandez gets sold to, to Manchester United. <laughs> I get sold to Pachuca. You know? <laughs> but when this happens, it completely changes my life because all of a sudden I'm getting real world footballing world offers to play a game. Life changing numbers being thrown my way. I remember one time I'm here at the 30 man camp I'm pre- excuse me, I'm preparing for the 30-man camp for the World Cup, and I'm training with Chivas USA in Paz Descanse, uh, here in L.A., and, and I, get a, I, I get a phone call, weird number, and I pick up, and it's Jose Antonio, uh, I, think, I believe it's Jose Antonio Garcia, um, the owner of Garces, owner, ex-owner of At- At- Atlante, excuse me, and he goes... Um, I'm in LA. I want to come see you. He's like, I would love to have dinner with you. And he's like, uh, dinner with you and your wife. And I'm like, well, you know, it's just me, not Mary. But, but absolutely, sure, you know. Um, where are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm in LA right now. Uh, what part of LA? And uh, I was like staying somewhere here in the South Bay, like training at the, you know, Carson. He goes, I'll meet you tonight. Beverly Hills, Mr. Chow. Uh, okay. I. I go and have dinner with him and his lovely wife and he's schmoozing. He's, he's given, you know, a talk of why he thinks I should come play with Atlanta. And he goes, listen, I'm just going to stop talking. And he slides over a big manila envelope. I open the envelope. It's more money than I've ever seen in my life. The most I ever oh made God. in Major League Soccer was $52,000 a year, you know? And, and this guy's offering me more to play a month and I'm sitting there and Nance, and I'm sitting there like, uh, I appreciate this offer, but I can't, I, I, I can't sign this in my agents. Here. We'll call them over. We'll bring them up. Long story short, um, it, it, it doesn't materialize. I, I started thinking to myself with all due respect to Atlante, if Atlante was, you know, had some history, but not a big team. And I had big teams knocking, you know, what this could do, what this could be for me. And, and it changed my outlook on life. It literally changed my life being in Mexico that first year. 
I ended up signing with Pachuca, played the World Cup the same year, played the Club World Cup. Um, it was one of the most unbelievable years of my life. Uh, and it wouldn't have happened if, if I wouldn't have taken the chance of, of going, you know, to a team like Puebla on a six month deal. Talking about uh, offers, um, did you ever get a European offer? I, I think I, I think I did hear that you yes. got an offer at least like in your older years, but you didn't take it. Is that true? So I was, it was actually after this year that I'm talking about the season, I should say, goal scoring champion, um, heading into the World Cup. It was after, after that year. I had two offers in Spain and one in the Ukraine. And they were both one and one deals, like one year, one option mm-hmm. year. And the money was not as great as in Mexico. Right. I was 28 years old now and I was playing catch up. You know, if this offer comes to me when I'm 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, I think differently. But my mindset was I need to catch up financially and I didn't go. Um, and when I'm talking, the money was, was different. It was way different. It was like the Spanish offers were at least 70% more of, the, of what I was making in Mexico. Um, my agent at the time, one of the best pieces of advice he gave me, because at that time, Spanish football with those type of contracts were how they explained it in negro like you wouldn't be guaranteed some of these clubs didn't pay you mm-hmm. um he recommended i stay in mexican football for he's like i think this is an avenue you can uh take advantage of for after your playing career which is already something that i was already thinking about you know later in my third or heading into my 30s and he was ultimately right this staying in liga mekis and, and kind of being you know uh, El Gringo in Liga Mekis or, or one of the American players who, who did well in Liga Mekis afforded me these opportunities that, that now I have, you know, in my playing career. But definitely for sure, it was there. Um, I always, I always think of that what if, but I was already at 28, you know, years of age and, and, and I was in a different mindset. But I always think like, you know, if I was younger, I, the money wouldn't have been an issue, you know, cause I, I, I know what it's like not to make money. I, I didn't make money for the first, 27 years of my life so what would have been the difference yeah. you know well what what, uh, what teams were they in spain uh in spain nothing too crazy it was an agent that had connections in certain teams in in ukraine it was dynamo kiev okay when i was 30 jürgen klinsman was i think it was 31 actually 31 i was a santos laguna jürgen klinsman um was a coach of the national team and he was actively trying to get me to go to Europe. And he helped me out with Andy, who was his lawyer, who represents him in certain things. And there was West Brom Albion. There was, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> yeah, there was Grasshoppers. Um, and then there was, <laughs> there was Osberg FC. And you guys know what, <laughs> why Osberg FC is famous. Now, Ricardo yeah. Back yeah. then, <laughs> yeah. they were really interested in me, but they wanted to bring me in to look at me. Mm. They had a talk with, they had a talk with Jurgen. It's between him and this other Korean forward at the time. And Jurgen goes, hey, they want to bring you in and look at you, see how you are physically. Um, believe it or not, the money was still better in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to go now. Like now I'm in a situation where okay, I put a bit of money in my pocket. I, I want to see what this is about. And I call Alejandro Yaragori, who's now obviously in the news because he, you know, he, he's one of the proponents that's running Mexican football today, Presidente Orlegi Sports. He was my, he was a owner of Santos and I call him and I explain the situation. He pretty much told me, Hercules, you're over 30. You have a contract with us. If, if Osberg want you, they can make an offer. You're not going to go train with anybody. I was in Russia at the time because we were a national team going to play against Russia. And I was also on my vacations, winter vacations with Santos Laguna. Um, you know, tough, but I understood the situation. They can't just go let me train and then something happens and what, what happens to Santos Laguna's investment. So nothing ever came about that. But, you know, bites, nips, um, things like that, yeah, I've had, but never, never anything more. And, you know, it's not like players in this side of the continent can't compete. It's not like they don't have the talent. Um, sometimes it is about those opportunities or that, you know, willingness to accept certain contractual limitations. It's very interesting because I think a lot of us fervor over, for example, like the best person I could think about right now is Hector Herrera. 
like everybody fervors over him like why did you leave atleti like why'd you come back to houston like you like lowered the overall standards of the mexican national team but like you think about it hector's over 30 has a wife has kids yeah. like he's 33 he's gonna, 34 years old yeah he's gonna want to come home come to the states it's, it's a neat, nice place to live houston is nice he's, he's gonna want to kick back two things about that uh first one is hector herrera like it being a winter world cup threw everything for a loop because he would have played a summer world cup and then came to major league soccer nobody would have said anything right but it being a winter world cup changed everything now it's like whoa, whoa, whoa he's heading into a world cup as a major league soccer player, right? But he wasn't playing that much in Atleti like over the years anyway. So it would have been a better situation to play. It's just father time is undefeated. Um, we get older, we get slower, we get more prone to injuries. And that's what happened to Hector Herrera leading up to the World Cup. Hector Herrera hold, holds a special place in my heart. I, when I was in Pachuca, he was one of the 18, like eight, 17, 18 year old kids um, who would come up to the first team and train with us. I would pick Hector Herrera up on the side of an interstate and take him to training and then drop him back off at the side of an interstate so he can go back home. That's so beast. And this man is all of a sudden the captain of Porto. He's one of the best Mexican national team players of recent history. And now he's making close to like four or five million dollars playing in Major League Soccer. And it's just the nicest kid you could ever think of. Hey, y'all heard it right here. Without Hercules Gomez, Ache Ache would have never been a thing. If he never picked him up at the interstate, he would have never been a thing. That's actually funny, bro. And he's honestly one of the most humble and, and just like low-key great dudes in the sport. Like I played professionally for 17 years. I now work in this industry, TV industry, with, with ex-footballers and ex-athletes and, and TV people. Not everybody you meet is a good person. Not everybody you meet do you want to root for. Like, he's a guy you want to root for. He's a guy you're like, damn, like, I'm happy good things happen to this guy. So, so you're telling me you also are the reason ex- Hector Herrera locked up Ronaldo in the Champions League, bro. That's like, that's crazy. That's a, that's a big accomplishment. Hey, yo, Chona, what do you mean, Ronaldo? He played against Pogba. No, no, no. He did not grow he up against up Ronaldo. Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo's the nine. Achi Achi was marking Pogba and Bruno. Yeah, he locked up Ronaldo that game. He was... No one could lock up Ronaldo. Beautiful Ronaldo locks game. himself up. Right? <laughs> you used to see this. Used to see this kid come up to first team training, and you're like, "Damn, this kid is good." Box to box, and he was silky on the ball, and he was strong. Like this kid was strong, um, and, and and to see him like now, to see where he's been, to see where you know how he continues to to kind of shut people up and listen. And part of my job is to voice my opinion and I have to be fair. So he doesn't play well. You have to say he didn't play well. Right. But knowing his story, the way I do knowing like how they treated him in Pachuca, because it wasn't always roses. They would send this guy to second division Tampico. Then he would come back and then they send him out somewhere else. And then he would come back. Like they put him through the ringer and this guy absolutely like everything he achieved, he deserved Like he worked for it. Yeah. No, hundred percent. One thing I didn't like about the Mexican fans, they were kind of giving him a lot of stick. For going to MLS, kind of like, oh, you, you lowered the standard, this and that. You should have waited if you had a winner mentality. But the thing is, he didn't fail Mexico. Mexico failed him by not putting more Hector Herrera. Like, Look, I'm going to get you upset right now, Chris. But but how is it that you heard more about Hector Herrera coming to Major League Soccer soccer at 33, 34 years of age than you heard about Diego Lainez' uproar? Diego yeah, Lainez no, seriously. Back to Liga MX to Tigres. At that, like that blows my mind. That does, you know. And, and Hector Herrera came back, captain of Porto, like top five foreign players in Porto's history, playing Atletico, won a league title with them, and it comes back for a payday, no problem. Diego Linus is, with all due respect to Diego Linus, we can't sit here with a straight face and say Diego Linus is going to start tonight. You know, tonight, Tuesday, today, they're going to play against Orlando in the Champions Concacaf Champions League. You can't say with a straight face. That you know for certain he will start. That's not a certain. Yeah, oh, 100%. he may start, but like a right wing back. Yeah, he's not a starting winger. <laughs> Poor Linus, bro. This guy can't. He can't do it, bro. You know the Achacha thing is true. It reminds me of the John Cena quote. He's probably te- telling the Mexico executives ahead of. He's like, I'm still here because you guys can't do your job and send more Mexicans to Europe. That's why he's there. He's 33. Yeah, starting. That's also. That's also. That's also a double-edged sword. Because listen, I, I'd be. It'd be very hypocritical for me to say like these guys need to leave and not worry about the money because i didn't leave and i worried about the money right for the same reason these guys worry about the money um listen i i was i didn't make shit playing major league soccer my first half of my career 
some of these guys aren't making money and then it's their families aren't making money and there's the opportunity for them to make money and not only secure their future, but their family members future. I remember when I went, when I was at Santos, there was a 16, 17 year old kid that Santos bought from a second division Colombian team. His name was Andres Renteria. And this kid had some crazy gifts. Like he was big. He was silky on the ball. He was quick. He had a bomb with the right foot, bomb with the left foot. You know, uh, Pedro Caixinha one time called him out and he's like, I've only seen two players in my career. I've only been in front with two players in my career with your ability. Nani and Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, two Portuguese, Portuguese and whatnot. And, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself like, damn, you know, that, that's crazy. But maybe he's got a point because this kid has some I mean, crazy gifts. Anyways, this kid, this kid gets sold from this Colombian team. Deportivo Petrolero, I think it was, or something like that, to Santos Laguna, and he brings over like not only his family, but like an entourage of people. He was the head of the household at 16, 17 years old for like 15, 20 people. He was in charge of these people and their livelihood. The, 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 and he's one of many that I ran, ran across in, in, in different spaces in football that are like that. So when you have these pressures thrown on you and then they throw money at you, you don't always act the best way. And an example of that is La Chofis, how he suffered at Chivas. Like he had a little bit of attention and money thrown at him and then kid went wild and, and he had to go to Major League Soccer, eat a little bit of humble pie. And look what he's at right now. He's one of the best footballers in Mexico right now. Not one of the best Mexican players, one of the best footballers in Mexico. So it's, it's a difficult kind of thing for us to sit there like – they went for the money. Why didn't they go for yeah. trascendencia and all these, That's all right. these different things <laughs> they get thrown around. It's yeah. difficult, man. It is. It definitely is. And there's other players too, like Alan Pulido. It's like kind of the same. Oh, I forgot about same, him. Kind of him like trophies. He's still, still at Kansas, right? He's still at Kansas yeah, City. Yeah. And let's talk about more about the dual nationals though. I got to get this question off. Herc, if you were to pick one dual national Mexican American to play for the USMNT right now, who would you pick? Who would you lock up? Like who's the most important? Yeah, most important, best player you see for the future for the USMNT. So thus far, the most important has been Ricardo Pepe because I, I, I truly think that kid can, can be a star. Special um, kid. And, and he, could, he, could, he could change the game. Um, it's because when I think of the names right now, like there's Alejandro Sendejas, he probably wouldn't be a winger for the U.S. He's not a winger anyways, but, but he'd be a winger in Mexico. He plays as a winger for Club America. He's an eight. He's a box-to-box player. He will tell you so himself. He's a very good player. I think he can compete at the A position. You have Jonathan Gomez, who I think just based on the position, like could be the one that has the biggest impact because there's not left a lot backs. of left backs in the U.S. Men's National Pool. It's only Anthony Robinson, um, and, and that's it. You have Brandon Vasquez, who I think is just different, like his skill set, right? Um, you got to forgive me uh, for not remembering this kid's last name, but there's a kid in the L.A. Galaxy system right now. Uh, his name's Alex. Yeah, if I could lock down any player right now, it, it would be him. Just just because in in general, when you see when you see Americans abroad, um, they're not central focal pieces in the final third. Like Christian Christian and Gio are the closest you have to that, right? Um, other players like Brendan Aronson has to work. He has to show how hard he works. He has to be a different player and, and kind of get plugged in to be effective, right? Uh, Timothy Weah is now a right back and left back, and he's a winger. So, so you get pigeonholed into these other positions because you can't hold. They, they, they don't think you can hold the mantle there. It's pretty much only Christian and Gio that have shown flashes of being that guy. This kid is like an old school ten, but dynamic. So like you know, if, him, if you can continue. Yeah, if you can continue, but, but but even more dynamic. And I don't want to throw names out there because then people get crazy when you're like, "Oh, he compared him." To no, Messi. it's fine. It's no, fine. I've been comparing everyone to Messi. Everyone's a Mexican Messi to me. Now it's trophies again. Yeah, what I'm saying is he's a dynamic ten. He's got pace. He's got skill. Uh, he's got vision. Um, he yeah, certainly he will grow into his body. The kid was like as big as I was my freshman year of high school. I was four eleven, eighty three pounds. You know, oh, so this God. kid's about there right now. So he will grow into his own. But right now, he'd be the one I could lock down. Because the other positions, and I say with all due respect, they could end up being very good footballers. Um, but right now, I think every single one of the uh, Mexican-Americans we mentioned 
would have to fight for a place, you know? Yeah, I'm thinking like the Richie Ledesma and, and Alex Mendes, especially uh, that midfield is very, very, very stacked for both teams. So yeah. So I wanted to segue a little bit into talking about uh, Nuestra Selecciones, give a little update for everybody on how both national teams are going, kind of kick it off with Mexico. How are we feeling about uh, – this is our first pod since Coca has released that call-up, so we can talk about it a little bit. Who's your snub? Let's talk about it a little bit. Who got snubbed? Number one snub. Well, I've got two. Yeah, it's it's Victor Guzman it's, and La Chopis. I think those are the two snubs. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think po, po, I, Pocho. I'm not sure about La Chofis, guys. I think I think um, La Chofis had his. He just scored again. Yeah, I know. He just scored the Azteca. He's a Liga MX champion. Put some respect on his name, and I think I know why Pocho isn't getting called up. And I'm not going to talk about it. I think we all know. Per reports, his camp thinks it was the doping scandal as well. Yeah, it probably is that. I don't think it's that. I honestly think because both players are eerily similar in style. Um, Diego Coca doesn't like the interior creative players. He doesn't like those tens. He doesn't like those ten type of players. Uh, he likes a different type of player, which is interesting. Uh, Marcel Ruiz, Marcel mm. Ruiz at Toluca, wow. yes. you know, is an elegant player, but he's also a two way player. So he likes those players that are a bit more two way. He likes those players with a bit more of a physical presence. I don't get it because I think good players fit in it anywhere. You could, and, and I think like Chofis has proven in yet on my system. You don't play in that system unless you work. It's not just hey, you have a ten. He steps on the ball. He rolls it. He looks for you know spaces and he has the vision to play between lines. No, you're a creative player. That's great. But he did it with Victor Guzman. He's doing it with with La Chofis. You have to work, and you can see the way they played against Club America, where they mopped them up in Sadio Azteca. Like they sat back, they defended, and then they exploited the spaces in transition. So you have to be able to work. He's proven that. So it, it's it's doble discurso with with Diego Coca because he says, "Well, I liked where he played in Pachuca. I don't like where he plays at Chivas." We're talking about Guzman, and it's unfair to Guzman because Tata Martino would be like, "Oh, I don't like where he plays at Pachuca." So it's like. What, yeah. What's the what's the issue with this kid? What's the deal? That's interesting because yeah, like talking about that, like just the dynamic of how they are in Pachuca and like the like how they play into spaces. I think that's something that Mexico severely, severely lacked in the Tata Martino era. Like they did not play into spaces. Like they they were like horrible with the creativity. Like I think I think you guys kind of changed my mind here. I can start to see where La Chofis fits in on all this with Pocho. Uh Mexican Messi. <laughs> but Tata, Paco Gabriel de Anda, that's, what yes, sir. that's my man. With Tata, it's, it's not more so like they didn't do something. It's more so when that something didn't work, what can you do? Like, where's the plan B? Like, that was one of the biggest issues. Like, Tata was so fixated on 4-3-3, and he was fixated on Raul Jimenez is my focal point, and he was fixated on Tecatito Corona has to start, even though he was, like, the worst player through half a World Cup qualifying, you know? He was fixated on H and Guardado playing at the same time when they didn't have the same mobility to deal with dynamic midfields or, or, or teams in transition like Canada, you know, uh, or, like, the U.S. In, in Cincinnati. Like, he never changed. You could change, and he never did. And then when he decided to change, it's at the World Cup, days before the Argentina game, to sit back and try to counter and defend for 90 minutes against Messi and Argentina, which was suicide. So it's he never really found like that option um, B. Going back to the call-ups, I want someone. This guy's stock is rising 100%. Like I think he is destined to be Mexico's next right back. Yo, be on the lookout for Julian Araujo, man. Like, what you mean be on the on lookout? The he's been he's there, bro. He's not, he's there. But he's on the rise, bro. Like, he's getting those Barca. I think yesterday he trained with Barca's first team again. He was with uh, Gabi and Jordi Alba. Yeah. You know, Gabi and Jordi Alba. That kid is, and I just read today in the morning that uh, Barca and Messi are in direct talks. <laughs> so we, might be, we might be seeing Julian and Messi picks very well, soon. Well, I mean, they're about to get suspended with the corruption case that's going on. And, you know, the Fiscalia got a hold of it. So we'll see if Barcelona is still in La Liga next season. Is Javi a Barca fan? I'm we got yeah, two Barca, Barca fans I'm here. A Barca fan. we, got, we got two, and then we got a hardcore Real Madrid fan right there. We got a hardcore Real or Ronaldo fan, you know what I'm saying? Right. Quick question. This one's important for Wait, me because, really? I mean, you can go, you can go, you can go. Are y'all good? Okay. But. No, I was going to say about Julian Araujo just really quickly. I, I, this is what I mean by representation. So everybody on this side in the States, Mexican-American, Julian Araujo was like, damn, that kid made it. He's an important piece, right? Like, oh, damn, yeah. that kid made it. Oh, yeah. Julian Araujo in the majority of the Mexican public and media 
have him locked down as like the third or fourth right back right now. Yeah. They have they have like Kevin Alvarez and they have Jorge Sanchez and then they'll have even like Garza who's at Tigres, you know? And then they have Kevin Alvarez. They'll, they'll, they'll like the disrespect and, and it happens a lot. You know, oh, but he, he Barça B. It's not even Barcelona. Like the disrespect is, is there. The one thing I love about Julian um is tactically, technically, maybe he's not at the same place uh, as the majority of his counterparts at Barcelona. Okay, that's a, that's going to be a reality. But mentally, this kid mentally and physically is something else. Like los huevotes que tiene este chavo. Like he wants to get better. He, he's the type of kid that's like, oh, you think you can beat me one on one? Here's the line. Show me how fast you are. He will take that he's challenge. He he's loves to get. He's yeah, rapid, he's got bro. that dog in him, and he's going to get better tactically and technically. But the reality is. And go look at ESPN Deportes, go look at Fox Sports, go look at TUDN, Claro, you know, all these different outlets in Mexico. When they look at them, they're sleeping on them. They are sleeping because Barcelona signed them as a first team player, but they can't register him because they don't have money. Like I said, you know, corruption, Barcelona. Sorry, Diego and Javi. <laughs> but Julian Arajo does have the highest potential, I think, out of any of the Mexican right backs. And he's putting on for Lompoc, or Lompoc, Lompoc California. Lompoc. All right, Bonnie, it's been my question for Herc. I need you to tell us your five aside of players, you best players you played with throughout your career. Five aside. Five aside. All right. I need a goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Goalie. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Nahuel Guzman. He's Nahuel. a goalkeeper. Paton. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. El Paton. One of the best goalkeepers to, to do it. Uh, right now doing it. He's probably my league MVP. And I know that's a hot take in itself, uh, but we'll get into it. Let's see. So that means. All right, uh, I got to play too, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Put yourself yeah, on you the nine <laughs> up there. Uh, oh, I love that. Yeah. Love that. No, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to put myself. I'm going to coach the team. I'm going to have me. I got Nahuel. I got Clint Dempsey. Oh. I'm going to have uh, Samuesa. Okay. Uh, oh, three. wow. I only Ruben. get two more. I only get two yeah, more, two right? Yeah, two more, two more. Oh, man. I'm going to put. I'm, Achita. No. Oh. This is my problem. <laughs> you make it harder. Go, uh, yeah, because I play with Achita. I play with Pony Ruiz. Oh, I with oh man. I play with Landon Donovan. <laughs> I play with David Quintero, who was ill. Like, he was sick. Oh, Darwin was nasty, bro. Dude, I don't care that he played for America yeah. Santos. He was nasty with it, bro. He was, crazy. he was so rapid. I love that guy. I'm sorry. It was, I'm oh, so bad, bro. That's that's why that's why I'm struggling. Of, and then, and, 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 oh, my God. Nahuel Guzman. Sambuesa, Jovinko, Clint Dempsey. And oh, Jovinko. Yeah, Jovinko, wow. Clint Dempsey. I got to get a defensive midfielder slash center back because it's a five aside. Now, one of the most ridiculous players that I've ever played with, and I'm just like, I, I don't know how this kid like was born where he was born and didn't go where he should have gone, but one of the most ridiculous players is Ozzy Alonso. Ozzy Alonso played for the Seattle Sounders. He's a Cuban. Yeah. If oh, you yeah, guys don't know his story, go look his story up. The kid is one of the best footballers I have ever been around. Like, should have been a Premier League player. Ridiculous. Like, he tried switching to the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, he had issues when he left Cuba. Couldn't do it. Um, but this guy had the technical ability, had the physicality, had the speed, had that nastiness to him, had the Box to box. Like he was one of the sickest players I've ever played with. And if I say that name, everyone's going to be like, who? But it's Ozzy Alonso. So he's not, a, he's not a big name, but he's, I kid you not, you could fit him into any single team that I just mentioned or anywhere, like honestly, and he would not miss a beat. So it's Nahuel Guzman, it's uh, Sambuesa, Sebastian Jovinko, Clint Dempsey, and Ozzy Alonso. That's a good one, right? Ooh, Ooh, Ozzy Alonso putting off for Cuba. But I have one question. It should be quick. But how does it feel to have the hardest interview with Ibra and MLS or like just MLS history? You have, I feel like the best Ooh. MLS interview ever. Like in my that opinion, moment was so cold. That was so cold. It's cold. You know what's funny is is I mean it's you know how you, you know how this works because you guys do like TikTok and whatnot. Like a a ten second clip. Uh-huh goes viral and it has nothing to do with what you're actually talking about. Yeah. So he's absolutely right. Like, like I'm not going to sit there and compare the career that Carlos Vela had to the career that he's had. Like, that would be just stupid. Uh-huh. But I'm asking him, like, right now, who's the best player in Major League Soccer? Because you say it's you, but across the road in the same city, 
Carlos Vela is tearing up. And by the way, sidebar, Carlos Vela that year had 34 goals, 15 assists when everything was yeah. done. Crazy. He won. Oh my There's God. no space. Zlatan is one of the best to ever come to Major League Soccer. He scored 52 goals in two seasons. Crazy. But Carlos Vela scored 34 and 15 assists in that same season that he was talking about. So I know why I know why it went viral. <laughs> I know why Slatan, you know, got testy, uh, who's one of the best people I've interviewed, by the way, like a walking soundbite. Like he is awesome. He's hilarious. But if you're going on that year alone, Slatan won. And it's it's just, you know, it's, I'm an ex-Galaxy player. And people don't like to hear it. The Galaxy fans, you know, used to get very testy with me. How could you say that? You're a G, this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a G. Yeah. Numbers are called, my man. Yeah, yes. Another interview that blew up, too, on TikTok is the Henri, like, comparing Henri to Slatan. Everyone after her, bro. Yeah. I see the comments. They went after him <laughs> crazy. But the music and everything fits Perfect. perfectly. And he's not wrong, though. Henri was better than Slatan. He won an MLS Cup. Henri wasn't just better than Slatan in, in Major League Soccer, you know, and it's no disrespect to Slatan, but Thierry Henry is one of the best footballers of, of all time. time. One of the best yeah, players, no footballers in the best leagues, you know, the best league. Um, he's historic and he's got the national team resume to kind of back it up. And listen, man, it, it, people get testy when you touch Slatan, Messi, Ronaldo. Who would you add to that list? Neymar. Um, to an extent, there are certain names you just can't touch and, and, but this is my life. At the World Cup, you know, I would give a take on Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, hey, he didn't play. You know, Santos didn't play him. Was it the correct move? And, and, and the guy who started for him has a, had a hat trick in the first half. What do you think? Of course it was the right move. Yeah. Like, you know, you, yeah, you, yeah. Gonzalo Ramos, you ended up winning the game. So it could end up being the correct move. And people would get crazy. And again, these death threats I would tell you about would surface online. Oh. Stupidest things. Yeah, like somebody on Instagram, I hope I hope your family uh, dies a painful death. That's like this. crazy, like, This is par for the course, but yeah. But, yo, shout out to Herc for coming through. I think that's all the time we're going to have for today. But, yo, Herc, this was fun, man. Thank you for coming in. We had a blast with you. Let the people know what you're doing, though, where they can find you, what you'll be on, your show. Yeah, so... Um, you can find me at Football Americas in English Monday and Thursdays on ESPN Plus, 5.30 Pacific, Pacific time. Yes. Oh, and you can find me Monday to Friday in Spanish, Espanol, Ahora o Nunca, ESPN Deportes, con Mauricio Pedrosa. And your boy actually uh, is kicking off a podcast um, in these coming days. Uh, so you guys are probably getting the, the exclusive news. It's going to be called Vamos, and it's going to be a podcast that uh, you guys can catch me on, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Uh, I'll keep you guys in the loop. Uh, but I'm a big fan of you guys and what you do. I follow you guys on Insta, Twitter, TikTok. So I appreciate it, my man. Appreciate it. Thank yeah, you, man. Thanks, love, man. Thank you, guys. Follow us on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, at Football Asada. Actually, I want to announce that officially. We are launching YouTube and Instagram as the today, the day we're recording. So by the time you guys hear this, Milagro, we'll finally. Instagram launch. <laughs> we're out there. And uh, also follow Cabra Football on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, shout out to Cabra Football for helping us with the podcast. I so, and y'all know, yeah. download the yeah. podcast. We'll catch y'all later. Peace. Guys. Boom. Banger. I thought, thank you so much, Herc. That was fun, bro. We'll see you next week with more Football Asada. Make sure you guys subscribe and follow us at Cabra FC and CabraSportsHQ.com. Yeah.